Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest Keith Valley, we play Star Tours. And then, summertime may be over, but it's never too late to discuss whether one summertime mainstay deserves your love. But first, your host, Jared Correa. It's the Legal Toolkit for when you feel like you can't quite pull off truck nuts. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I have no earthly idea what a pancake air compressor is. Does it really make pancakes? Actually, that'd be pretty dope. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Tom Green was unavailable. He's recording commentary for the 23rd anniversary edition DVD of Road Trip, as he should. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. It's an intake platform for law firms. Learn more at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview with Keith Vallely of Epona about all things Microsoft, get your popcorn ready, bitches. I'd like to think of myself as not a nerd, but I'm probably a nerd. I'm certainly a history nerd. Love history. Talk about history all the time with my kids. They fucking hate it. Love to read classic novels, ancient texts. Have definitely read a shit ton of books in my life. But I never read comics. Never read a single comic book in my entire life. That's true thought they were stupid and derivative, and I still think that. They're very derivative. But I have to say, comic book movies and television shows make for great entertainment, frankly. And although interest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has significantly receded since the Avengers Endgame movie, and honestly, it would have been pretty hard to reproduce that buzz, that's partly because those Marvel movies were really fucking good. And yes, Martin Scorsese can eat a dick. I knew nothing about Iron Man, but I really like the Iron Man movies. But then I do like lots of other sci-fi IP. Now, I'm not a Star Wars guy. That's our guest today, Keith Vallely. He's a Star Wars guy. He knows what a fucking do-back is, which is weird. But I loved the Transformers when I was a kid. Had some He-Man and G.I. Joe figurines. Love Quantum Leap, as you know. My wife got me into the X-Files. Sci-fi is just a massive part of popular culture because it is first-rate escapism, and I'm here for it. So let's own it on the Legal Toolkit. I want to do a little sci-fi roundup. So here are some of my thoughts on the current sci-fi scene as I try to tie these episodes together with some kind of thematic approach, which doesn't always succeed, even though it did here. Maybe. As I mentioned before on the podcast... I really like the WandaVision show on Disney Plus because it did a lot of unique things and incorporated old television tropes in a highly effective way. It doesn't look like that's getting a second season, which I guess is somewhat sad, but I'm also cool with things just ending on a high note, George Costanza style, without any forced sequels. I just wish Marvel would do a Scarlet Witch movie because she's a really underutilized character. And Elizabeth Olsen, yeah, she's really fucking hot. So more Elizabeth Olsen, please. One Marvel show that is getting a second season is Loki, and that'll be out once this episode releases. Maybe I'll do a whole monologue on it. I don't know. 
But as I'm recording this one, the first episode hasn't released. I have high hopes. The first season was really good and the cast was great. I like that they're going back in time to, I think, the 1800s to do the Victor Timely stuff. And I feel like Loki is a better character as a hero than as a villain, plus time travel. All right, let's fucking go. I watched the Flash movie that everybody's hating on with Ezra Miller. I thought it was good. I mean, that dude might be a dick in real life, but I thought he was really good in the movie. He did a great job with the character. I thought it was the right vibe, including playing a younger version of himself, which seems like it would be hard to do, but I thought did it well. Uh, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie that everybody's shitting on where he's rescuing babies from a hospital and they're falling from a high floor and he throws this baby in the microwave. But it's like, supposed to be funny. I think it's played for laughs and it works. It's not all that different from Thor Ragnarok, which I thought was also excellent and a little bit loopy. So they had Supergirl instead of Superman. I like that. Though sadly, they promptly fridged Supergirl. She lives for like 10 minutes. Whoops, spoiler alert. Uh, it was fun to see Michael Keaton return as Batman. He's always good. And by the way, he was excellent as the Vulture in the first Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. Maybe the best Marvel villain. Don't at me. I thought the other cameos were pretty tasteful, though I wonder about accessing permissions for actually using the images of dead actors. I don't feel like these Hollywood studios are aggressively seeking out permission and offering residuals, but it could be wrong. Probably not. I thought they did a cool twist at the end with the reverse flash thing. You should check it out. I mean, it's not fucking Citizen Kane, but I think this movie gets way too much heat. All right, next on my list, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Amazing movie. Easily the best animated superhero movie since the first Spider-Verse. I haven't watched the second one yet, but I'll watch it when it comes out on streaming. In the Turtles movie, the vibes were there. They leaned into the teenage part of the title, and they actually had teenage actors doing the Turtles' voices. It's really authentic. Um, it sounded like my son and his friends hanging out. The new treatment of April O'Neil as a high school reporter I thought worked great. The animation was pretty different and compelling. Jackie Chan was in it. He was Splinter. He was really fun. And uh, Ice Cube was the villain, an inspired choice, by the way, as a new bad guy called Superfly, who was the son of Baxter Stockman in the movie. And that's also a great play on words on the 1972 movie of the same name. My son thought that character was cool. Paul Rudd shows up as Mondo Gecko. Shredder's at the end. They tease Shredder for an inevitable sequel. Just delightful. It's kind of a perfect kids movie. Go see it if it's still on the theaters where you are. Now, I'm not really hyped for the James Gunn DCU stuff, but maybe they'll prove me wrong. However, he makes good movies. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was actually amazing. I watched that on Disney+. Plus. They explored more errors with the music. The plot was pretty unique and different. They had this amazing extended fight scene that lasted for like four minutes. Good times, really. And that's all I got. All right, buckaroos. Let's head to the rest of the podcast. This roundup is over. Let's find out more information about what our sponsors can do for your busy law practice before we talk with Keith Vallely about what SharePoint even is. Then stay tuned as we cover more sci-fi IP. Star Wars, an entirely new, an entirely new rump roast segment. 
What you may not know is the way that your law firm bills clients may directly impact whether they hire you in the first place. It's true. That's why I've got Joshua Lennon from Clio. He's a lawyer in residence over there to talk to me about this subject. Joshua, go ahead, expound. Yeah, 70% of clients are telling us they want to pay via payment plans. And while hourly rates are the most common fee structure offered by law firms, clients are telling us 67% that they want the option to pay for legal services via flat fees. Wow, so what should lawyers do? Well, only 37% of law firms actually offer flat fees on any legal matter. So if you want to stand out, start offering flat fees. Thanks, Joshua. To learn more about the billing preferences of today's legal clients, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com slash trends. That's Clio, spelled C-L-I-O, dot com slash trends. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Okay, let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal podcasting sandwich. Today's meat is beef tongue. Actually, that's fucking nasty. I would never eat that. Like making out with a bull or something. No, thank you. In any event, let's bring out our guest. Yes, that's right, everyone. We have yet another first-timer on the Legal Toolkit podcast today. That's Keith Vallely, a vice president and senior consultant at Epona, who has no idea what we're talking about today. Keith, welcome to the show. You're a brave man. Jared, thanks for having me. I feel so lucky. <laughs> you feel lucky for now. All right. We don't do sales pitches here. So in your least salesy way possible, I have every faith that you can do this. Can you tell me what your software Epona does and how it interacts with Microsoft 365? Because trust me, everybody, that's going to be relevant to the rest of the stuff we talk about. We make SharePoint a document management system for law firms, corporate legal departments, and enterprises. That was pretty good. Now, I want to jump into the Microsoft 365 stuff, but that is an interesting model in the sense that you're not forcing people to use another platform. You're working with a platform they already use. Microsoft 365, which is probably the most ubiquitous tool in legal. So let me ask you generally, how important is it for softwares to integrate with Microsoft 365, particularly in the document space, Word, which is really Microsoft's killer app and always has been? Well, I think it's not just important. I think it's critical. If you work as a lawyer or a knowledge worker or anyone that types two words into a Word document and you want somebody to sign it, <laughs> you know, you now we're going to get a little more complicated here. Uh, you have a version. Yeah. So I'm in sales, but not on this, you know, podcast. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> um, but uh, those of you who've ever been in sales have seen the document that says final. You saved it as contract to be signed final. And then you send it over and they send back a change. So then you save it as 
final, final, and then you make a change and then you send it as final, final, final. Now it's final, 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 and you keep changing it. Well, that's called versions, right? Yes. Okay. Not necessarily version control. No, there's no control in that, obviously, <laughs> right? So lawyers don't want that. And regular folks like me don't want that. So then you change it to September 23rd, September 24th, right. September 25th, and then eventually point one, point two, point three, and you come up with all these names. And then I've been in places where people will say, here's our naming convention, and it's a form, and then everybody follows the naming convention, or they don't. And then, <laughs> and then if they don't, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. Okay. So document management gets rid of that whole thing because now everything inside the document can be used to find it. And that's right. the whole deal. I think that's a great take on, like everybody hates naming conventions until they need them. So I get it. Right. What does Microsoft do natively in terms of version control? Now I don't practice law anymore. I'm not someone who needs different versions of documents or maybe I have one or two, so. What could I do like in Microsoft 365 without anything else in terms of trying to figure out how the version control thing operates? Well, if you save the document in OneDrive or you save the document in SharePoint, which is the same, but yes, not exactly. I want to put a pin in that for a second. I do want to okay. talk about that. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. And, and it is, and it isn't, and we can <laughs> talk about that for sure. There's a little button you have to push buried in the back. You flip the switch and Microsoft will turn on something called versions. And there are two kinds of versions, major and minor. Oh, this is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. What's the difference? So major is where the person, the human being is in control and they can say, this is a major version and it's called a published version. Huh. And if you have the right tool, you can put a comment on that version like, send to opposing counsel or save to this hard drive or do not send to anyone, <laughs> right? Minor no, versions- this is, this is all great stuff that I've like literally never come across. Go on, please. Yeah, no, yeah, this is, it's all out there, man. You just, you know- <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. lazy, but then again, I don't it's need okay. this stuff. It's <laughs> okay, it's okay. The whole world is lazy, man. That's, that, that's why I have a job. Okay, so, and then there's, a, there's another, the minor versions, the computer decides, it's an algorithm. So every time huh. you hit save, or when the autosave is turned on, the computer will give you another version based on criteria. Mm. And you say, but Keith, what is that criteria? Ah, it's in the magic soup. Uh, and what is the magic soup? Time and amount of change. And recently I was talking to uh, an IT person up in Minneapolis. I was yeah. on one of these calls. And he said, it's the perfect blend of, <laughs> of change. Perfect blend. He said, it couldn't be better, actually. And I said... Are you serious? I said, do you mind if I say that to somebody? And it didn't turn, and, and this is my first opportunity to say it. And hopefully millions of people will hear it because that's how many people listen to the, the Several podcast. million, right, yes. Yeah, yeah. And my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Who talks uh, so, to several million people as well. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, easily yeah. text them all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. So for major version control, it's a human who has control over that. Yeah. But then the minor 
versions. It's an algorithm. And mm -hmm. like, so is the criteria set in stone by Microsoft? Or yeah. can individuals change yeah. it? Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's a mystery soup. You don't get to go in yeah. there and fiddle Kinda and like fart Google around search, right? It. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know if you can find it. It just says time and amount of change. Now, I've had some <laughs> people say six minutes and X number of words. Now, huh. that's anybody's guess, uh, and I'm sure you're going to take lots of calls that'll come in and tell you the facts. send those to my mom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> So this other piece of Microsoft is confusing to me. I don't know why Microsoft doesn't ha have one document management tool that it calls one thing. Like, why can't they have like Google Drive and have that be it? But it's got to be OneDrive and SharePoint. And what is the fucking difference? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> Can you please enlighten us? Sure. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and they only have one item to order? <laughs> That's true. I never have. I never have. <laughs> right. And then if they did, would you keep going to that restaurant? Unless it was really awesome, probably not. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so here's the thing. I go into Outlook all the time when I, well, not all the time anymore. There was a time when I did tech support at Epona and this was a very long time ago. And yeah, I would, I would fun. go, I would go in and I would say, so show me how you save your email. And they would show me some way they would save an email. And I'd be like, okay, that's great. And then 20 minutes later, I'd get on a call and I'd say, show me how you save your email. And the person would show me something I didn't know you could do in Outlook. <laughs> and I would scratch my head and I'd say, I didn't know you could do that. And they would say, well, I've been doing it this way for 12 years. And then I, the third call, I'd go in and I'd see a third way and I'd say, Wow, I didn't know you could do that in Outlook. <laughs> and they would say, this is the fastest, most efficient way possible. I've been working right. on this. And, it, and so the answer for you is Microsoft has 2,000 developers on SharePoint alone. Jeez. That's bigger than some of my competitors' platforms' companies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so, a lot of developers. Yeah, yeah. So why do they... I mean, the answer is probably because there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. Uh, yeah. Is that an answer? That's a great answer. <laughs> so if I was a firm and I was trying to decide, like, what do I need? Do I need OneDrive or SharePoint? Should I even care? Should I let an IT person decide that for me? Because I get that question all the time. Like, which one do I need? Well, okay. So SharePoint is when you have a, a site, a location, and yes. you save all your documents, and they live in the cloud. When you push the button and it syncs with your desktop, now you call it OneDrive. Mm, gotcha. Okay. But it's still SharePoint. But it's a version and of OneDrive. SharePoint. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But once it saves on your desktop, this. it's a OneDrive. It's not a SharePoint. Gotcha. All right, let me ask you this, because I know you're deep into this document management stuff. Like, are there some embedded features in Microsoft 365, OneDrive, SharePoint, whatever, that are kind of like that version control feature that is there, but no one really knows how it works? And if they found that, they'd be like, wow, I've really been missing out. I think the approval workflow is one of those things. And okay. I think alerts is another one of those things. Okay. Can you talk about each of those? Sure. 
Awesome. So when your documents are sitting inside of SharePoint and you want to know if somebody touches it or, or something happened to it or whatever, you can hit these three little dots and it'll open up a panel and mm -hmm. you can set an alert on it. So what is right. an alert? Tell me if somebody opened it, touched it, looked at it. Well, no, looked at it isn't one thing, but you can set an alert on the document. And I think that's cool. That is cool. Now, I've never really cared that much. I've never set an alert on a document, but I know a lot of paranoid mofos out there <laughs> want that shit, okay? So. <laughs> they do. Namely, yeah. attorneys. Go on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. Okay. No, second... <laughs> no. That's who I'd want as my attorney. <laughs> right. The, the second thing is, is uh, approvals. So- in that same panel, so now you've got a document, and this is for the folks who are sick and tired of the document went out and you didn't let me make sure it was okay. Right. Yeah. Can't we build a system where, you know, you send me the document and I get to review it and approve it? Well, built into the whole SharePoint ecosphere in what would be an opponent EMS or a SharePoint ecosphere without a opponent. Right. Yep. The document's sitting in SharePoint, you hit the three little dots, the menu item opens up, and you'll see a thing that says automate. And then it says right. send for approval. You click it, and it asks you, who do you want to send the document to approval? So I say, Jared, and I type your name, and you'll get a link to the document, and you can then click the link, and it'll take you right to the document, and you can read it. You say, yes, Keith, this document is approved. And I'll get a link back saying it's approved, good to go, or no, denied. I think that's the other cool thing. That's really cool. I like that. And I could see like managing attorneys loving that. Okay. Yeah. Great stuff on the documents. I think if I don't talk about AI, someone comes out and tases me. So okay. Microsoft is like deep in AI, as you know. Okay. Yeah. And they, they came out with this co-pilot thing like yeah. in March. Do you guys get into that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be a big one, Jared. And, okay. And here we go. We're going to, yes. I'm going to really kind of jump in. So nobody has ever really cared where they put their documents since day one. They just want to work on their documents and hit save. And they don't really give a crap where they are. Only IT people are, are the ones who say, no, you got to put it in the DMS or you got to put it on the G drive or you, you got to put it over here or you got to put it over there. They're the only ones that have ever cared. And the reasons that they've ever cared is because you got to back it up or you got to save it to the secure location or you got to make it ensure it's in the shared spot or whatever their reasonings are. And that's how lawyers, people, the general public feel about all of this. Yeah, yeah. What's happening on the Microsoft platform is documents themselves are now becoming part of what I'm going to call a process. This is like a sea change. It's like thinking about it differently. So AI is now going to do the work of scooping up all of the metadata that would have you would have had to fill out, the form you would have filled in to tag that document. And it's yep. going to read the document and fill out that form so that you can find it later and apply the security to the document 
so that if you live in the Microsoft environment, and this is only going to be if you live in the Microsoft environment, if you live in some third party's world, it may not work. Right, right, right. So now I got an email, I have my document, and I decide to save it in Teams, in SharePoint, in OneDrive, in my email, wherever it wants to live, AI will find it. That's and it will cool. slap the tags on and it'll do the do and everything will be fine. And just the way it was supposed to be, but never happened. <laughs> you don't have to give a shit anymore. Humans no longer involved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So is that is that an upsell to the traditional Microsoft package? Like, is that an additional fee or are they throwing that in? It's coming and announcements are going to get made in the next couple of months that I can't make today. Oh, oh, exciting. All right. We'll have to have yeah, you back on exciting. for that. Uh, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to bring a sandwich and I'm going to. Bring, bring two, because yeah, we don't I'll want just one sandwiches. thing on the menu. Okay, Keith, no last, problem. last question for you. Yeah. Beyond Copilot, like what do you see Microsoft doing with AI moving forward? Anything that particularly intrigues you that you can actually talk about? Yeah. What I see is that they're going to create these cards and these cards are going to make it so that when you touch a document or you touch a matter or you touch a site, a card's going to open up and it's going to tell you everything you need to know about that thing. So you don't actually have to open the thing. Mm. That's really and, nice. Yeah. And then you say, oh, now I don't have to know about the thing anymore because I got the synopsis or the shortcut. And that's how the world is going to operate if you live in Microsoft. And the second thing I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. is all the other guys are going to try really hard to keep up. But when you are trying to be a utility, which is what Microsoft is trying to be, right? and, and I think that's the part people really aren't getting, mm -hmm. is Microsoft is trying to be the cable company. Yeah, that's a that's perfect analogy. I totally right? agree. And if you're trying to be the cable company in computers, what is it that you need to provide, Jared? Everything. And the problem is, is that Microsoft is already going to give you Exchange, SharePoint, Yammer. What are all these things? I don't know what some of them are. Right. I, I don't know that you know what they all are. Some. So they're just going to say, I tell you what, we're going to go 99 out of 100 miles, a solution for everybody, but not enough to fix any one thing. So it's 90% of a solution for everybody, but not enough for anybody. And so that's why all these spaces exist for people like us. Keith, that was awesome. Really in-depth. I appreciate it. That's why I brought you on, because I knew we'd have a conversation like this. Man, I love coming on this show. I love this show. This is the best show ever. <laughs> Thank you. So will you stick around for the yeah, last man. segment, since you're having Absolutely. such a good time? All I right. love this show. Um, <laughs> we'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about our sponsor companies and their latest offerings. Then stay tuned for the Rump Roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. 
Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Keith Vallely, and it's the Legal Toolkit, and we've arrived at the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short-form topics all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Keith, I am currently looking at you with your Star Wars background on Zoom. You are a Star Wars fan, is that correct? Yeah, I have been. I have been for... Well, since the sixth grade, Jared. Really? Sixth grade, yeah. Wow. I want to get into a little bit of Star Wars stuff. But first, okay. last time we talked, the new show Ahsoka, I think it's pronounced, on yeah, Disney Tom. Plus, yeah. had not been released yet. Now, is it over or is it like halfway through? I don't know how many episodes there are, but I've seen every episode but the last episode. Oh, okay. What do you think? How is it so far? So far, so good. She seems a little stoic to me, but I'm digging the show. Good. So I am not a Star Wars person. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that. I just never got into it. I have a friend. Well, I'm, like I'm not going to hold Wars it against fan. you if that's what you're worried about. Well, thank you. I appreciate okay. it. So we occasionally do some fun trivia games here on the Rump okay. Roast. So I got okay. a little something for you that I'm going to call Star Tours. Uh-oh. It's just difficult Star Wars trivia. Or at least I think it's difficult. I don't even know. Because oh God! Here we I don't go. really watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully so, I can answer these. So I always lose at this. There's a show on. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Let's, let's I'm going to give, give you multiple choice. Okay. And I got to shout out my friend Ethan, who's like a big Star Wars fan, who I texted. And I was like, hey, give me some good Star Wars questions. So oh, here, no, we here we go. <laughs> multiple choice incoming. First question. This Godfather actor turned down the role of Han Solo in the original Star Wars film. Do you know this? Do you need multiple choice? I'm happy to provide it. Uh, I think it was Pacino. That is correct. One for one. Killing it. I didn't know this until this morning, but then I started looking it up, and uh, he said about the role, they offered me so much money. But apparently he had no clue what the script was about. <laughs> so he turned it down. And then he also said, I gave Harrison Ford a career. So there's that. He's so sweet. What a what sweet a guy. What yeah, a guy. what a guy. <laughs> All right. We'll get a little tougher here. Okay. Something else I'd never heard of until recently. I found this by Googling difficult Star Wars questions. How many do-backs were in the 1977 theatrical cut of the original Star Wars film. I'd like to ask, is a do-back where they go back and put stuff back in the film because they changed something in the future? 
Is that a do-back? Well, it relates. It relates. So this is from Star Wars fandom. Do-backs are rugged reptilian lizards native to the deserts of Tatooine. Dewbacks were able to withstand the heat of the world's binary suns. Wow, look at that. As well as the dust that caused mechanical breakdowns in high-tech conveyances. They're like lizards that people ride, giant lizards that people ride. I can give you multiple choice as well. Uh, yeah, give me a multiple choice on this one. Zero, one, or two. Zero, two. one, or two. Two is two. correct. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are boss at this. I'm really impressed. <laughs> and I also found this out, that they just randomly added five more for the 1997 20th anniversary oh. version. I learned so much about Star Wars doing this. Okay. Two for two. Crushing it. Question number three. What's the largest annual pod race in the universe which a young Anakin Skywalker participates in in Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace? I'm going to need a multiple choice because I've, I've watched it many times, but I wouldn't know what it was called, so I'm going to need a multiple okay. choice. Not, that's, that makes two of us. Okay. <laughs> the Bunta Eve Classic, The Double Sun's Invitational, or the Sebulba 500. Two of those I made up. I was pretty proud of myself for that. This, the, the, the very first one. Correct. Correct. Yes, yes. Called the Boon to Eve. Three for three. I feel, what should do we I stop win now at the or end do of this? Do I get anything? In the you win nothing, nothing but my respect. But Okay, I want your respect as well. So if I don't have it yet, <laughs> let's keep going. You, you've got like 50% here. I just want to okay. get through the rest of the questions because we're okay. here to educate as well. Okay. I understand. I appreciate it. We that. talk about Microsoft. We talk about Star Wars. We're just teaching the people. Okay. Darth Vader's chest plate has writing on it, and it says... His deeds will not be forgiven until he merits. It's written in an ancient language. Which one? I, I, I will also be able to do... Uh, Sith. It's written in Sith. So let me do the multiple choice. Latin, Hebrew, or Sanskrit. It's a real language that it's written. Oh, then I'm going to say Sanskrit. <sighs> Close. Hebrew. All right, we should have stopped. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to have to check that shit. Cause, <laughs> because... Because that's my hero right there, Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's wild. Like, I had no idea. Like, I didn't even know there was writing on that thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to look closely at that. Here's one I think that people may know, but again, I don't know. Okay. In the first Death Star, I didn't know there was a second, which detention block was Princess Leia being held in? CC-12, AA-23, or BB-73. I sound like I'm calling bingo right now. Yeah, the very first one. It's actually the second one, AA-23. Oh. So yeah, this I... is like stuff that, that I was shocked that I found all over. Like, it, cell number 2187, if you're interested. Like, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got These... one more. I got, okay. I got one more. Okay. This one's really picky. This is maybe the hardest one I found. In which Star Wars movie does the camera pan up after the opening crawl rather than down? Apparently, there's just one. It's the episode two. Oh, yes. Correct. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Keith, I never doubted your Star Wars fandom. You Thank you, it. sir. Seriously, I'm really impressed. 
I'm really impressed. Enjoy the rest of the Ahsoka show on Disney+. Plus. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll have to have you back again to talk about AI. I can't wait. I can't wait. And hopefully we'll have some more to tell on that. Yes, yes. Take it easy. We'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. If you want to find out more about Keith Vallely and Epona, check out Epona.com. E-P-O-N-A.com. Epona.com. Now, for those of you listening in Coruscant, Coruscant, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's some Star Wars shit. Check out our latest playlist for the best needle drops in sci-fi movie history. So we've run out of time to discuss why limeade is actually better than lemonade. Well, I guess we covered that. Limeade is better than lemonade. Okay, moving on. This is Jared Korea reminding you that, hey, maybe, just maybe, Jar Jar Binks was really a Sith. Think about that shit. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Today's legal news is rarely as straightforward as the headlines that accompany them. On Lawyer to Lawyer, we provide the legal perspective you need to better understand the current events that shape our society. Join me, Craig Williams, and a wide variety of industry experts as we break down the top stories. Follow Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network or wherever you subscribe to podcasts.